Hi there, and welcome to the podcast, Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional career or business pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. 280 characters, 15 seconds, one minute, likes, emojis, fiery takes. Does this mean anything to you? Well, if you've been breathing these past 10 years or so, it's hard not to notice just how much our habits have been reshaped by the digital world. What I'm referring to here is our desperate need to have everything we consume, media-wise, condensed. However, it has come at a cost, namely long-form content like magazine articles, newspapers, books, essays, and so on have been suffering immensely as industries have raced to fill this unquenched thirst for quick and dirty takes. Our own responses to it all have been altered too. I mean, how many times have you found yourself in a fluster over trying to fit your own bursts of emotion and thoughts into short sound bites? Well, enough of the doom and gloom. Despite all of this, there is reason for optimism. As some of us begin to recognize some of the folly in all of this, there's been a rekindling of affection towards long-form content and its consumption. Need proof? Look no further than our guest today. Tyler Dunn is a longtime NFL, National Football League, features writer and author based in Boston, New York. And he's the founder of golongtd.com, a subscription-based newsletter publication dedicated to long-form pro football journalism. And he's covered the NFL since 2007 for various outlets, including Bleacher Report, the Buffalo News, and the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Tyler's writing has been acknowledged by the Associated Press, Sports Editors Organization, as well as the Pro Football Writers of America organization. His story on the Green Bay Packers in 2019 drew the most reads for any Bleacher Report story, a major online sports outlet. And furthermore, Tyler's work has been featured and covered in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Miami Herald, Boston Herald, and many other U.S. and international outlets. His nearly 50,000 fans on Twitter could probably speak to the quality of his work, too. Resultantly, Tyler is frequently called upon by both national and local radio and television programs to lend his voice to all matters NFL. Not only that, he is often a go-to source of coverage for fans of two iconic NFL franchises, the Buffalo Bills and Green Bay Packers, in relation to his years on the beat for both clubs. And finally, on the human side of things, it is widely acknowledged in the industry that Tyler is one of the good guys, and so much so you'll often find him lending a hand to others when in need. And not only that, he is a champion of all things righteous including the returning of abandoned parking lot shopping carts. With that, Tyler, I'm absolutely stoked to welcome you to the show today. (laughs) And I'm sorry, I could not resist adding in that little shopping cart thing in the end. For those who do know Tyler's work and follow him online and everywhere, that's that's a running gag, I I suppose. Well, not even a gag. This is a real thing, right, Tyler? This is real. (laughs) (laughs) Very real. And well, you're way too generous and kind, Chris. Thanks so much for having me for the intro, but... But yeah, that, that's kind of been the uh, the hill I've chosen to die on in terms of, uh, like you said, you know, there's a lot of gifs and takes and BS out there. But if there's one take that I'll just kind of 
shoot into the atmosphere as much as possible. Yeah. The people just need to return the shopping cart to the crowd. <laughs> I will say this. I think that awareness is at an all-time high that it's time to move on to a new cause. And I've, I've, I'm kind of chipping away at something new down those lines. All right. All right. Well, maybe, maybe we can uncover that by the end of this episode. I'll, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tease it. it. That's what you got to do with these, right? You <laughs> tease it at the top of the show and then people can get it later on. That's yeah. right. That's like, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all righty. All righty. Well, why don't we get into this today, Tyler? Why don't we do it? The first segment I have here is something called Coloring Wikipedia. And basically, it's a segment where I try to add some zest to otherwise dry explanations of professions. And what I'm going to do here is I've got you down for a journalist. I'm going to read that definition off. And a couple other reasons I like to do it. One, it brings everybody up to speed on what the profession is. And then two, it kind of offers a nice jumping off point for us to kind of explore the profession, sometimes in the, you know, in the reading of it, for some things that are underrepresented or just flat out missing. So yeah, just let me read that off for you, and then I'll uh, ask you a few follow-up questions. Sound good? Perfect. All right, here we go. Journalist. A journalist is an individual trained to collect and gather information in form of text, audio, or pictures, and process it into newsworthy form and disseminate it to the public. Now, again, returning to what you do within sports journalism and long-form content, maybe you could kind of comment on that definition. What do you think? That is pretty general. I think, you know, anybody can be a journalist today, right? Beyond sports, anybody with any aspiration to spread information is a journalist then. I mean, we can just take a video, write something down, boom, throw it through the social channels and it's out there. So I guess the lens I try to think through is, all right, there's a lot of crap out there and it's nonstop. It's instantaneous. We're all glued to our phones. What what is going to make people just break away from that short attention span and that rhythm of their day where, I mean, I, I'm always checking, you know, that, that, that FOMO, right. That fear of missing out, you're checking Twitter, checking Instagram, what, whatever, like what, what happened in the world, what happened in sports and constantly just trying to get those headlines, get just the general gist of what's happening throughout the day. So with go long with how I've always approached journalism and, and specifically what I do with my website is what's going to make somebody get out of that mental space and take the 10 minutes. It doesn't even have to be that long, right? I mean, you could read a four or 5,000 word story in 15 minutes. We're all kind of like trained to think, oh my God, that story is really long. I don't have the time to read that story. Well, you know, you just screwed around on Twitter for an hour. You, you, right. know, you could read five of those. Exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. But, right trying to break out of that realm and give people something that's worth those 15 minutes. Cause that's, that's a valuable 15 minutes that you're not living the way our, our species is evolving to, to live and think and operate. And I, I hate where we're going. We're all glued to our phones. We're all just becoming lemons and zombies and, you know, just eating the chum in the water. So what's going to make everybody stop, get away from that and just learn something for 15 minutes. That's kind of, my, my you know, rambling definition of journalist, I guess. No, no, no. I think that's worth noting, though, because I think that's one of the things that we, like you said, we are missing some of these points, like where it is these short takes, these quick takes, you're missing like the context, you're missing like the details in behind some of the, the things that are being espoused or like put out there. And oftentimes, like, that's the most critical part, right? I think sometimes too, like, that's what creates a lot of this friction or divide, you know, whether it's a, a serious issue or whether it's something as trivial as, you know, whatever, some, you know, athlete 
putting something out on Twitter, you know, like, but it's become a business model in a sense. And yeah, it, it, it's really shifted our mindsets. And I don't know, I mean, they've done a good job at that, obviously, like it is working, but, but there is something missing, I think, in all of this. And uh, yeah, I hear you loud and clear on all of that. Yeah, well said. Yeah, it's, it's it, so true, Chris. I mean, it's like, um, it's hard to get people out of that place. But, you know, just in the sports world, I'm sure we'll touch on it. Like, I think players get pissed off when, you know, something they, they, they could talk for a half hour to, you know, at a press conference, you know, that's, I hate press conferences. It's just a, it's a performance production. That's Controlled. Not, and it's not right. real. Everybody's kind of, yeah, it's control. Everybody's kind of playing a role. Yeah. But they might say one, one little thing. And then, and then that becomes the headline that's everywhere. And then they grow to distrust the media and rightfully so, because why are you completely taking this thing that I said and went into detail with, throughout a half hour press conference completely out of context. So the purpose of go long, doing something long form is all right. Now, like nothing's going to be taken out of context. I'm going to say, we're going to talk, we're going to learn, we're going to go places over an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it takes to really do the story justice. Mm. Once or maybe it was on one of your podcasts or something you've written where basically within the industry, you kind of consider yourself zagging while everyone else is zigging. What's been the reaction to some of your industry peers when they found out that you launched golongtd.com and the whole premise of this long-form content? What was the reaction on that? I think that, uh, you know, nobody's going to tell you you're nuts to your face, right? Like nobody, nobody called me up and said, hey, Tyler, what the hell are you thinking here? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, there, and there were people, I mean, I'm not looking at myself as this trailblazing force. I mean, there were several people who went independent, started Substacks use other platforms to basically do the same thing. It's just a matter of what is your niche. Usually the niche for people is a specific team, a specific market where it's it's hyper localized and that works. So if I had hesitation and launching go long, that was it. Okay. It's like, yeah, I've I've covered football for a while now and I've been on team beats and bleach report was the whole NFL. And that was five years, but still I was a little hesitant, like, okay, there's a lot of football sites out there, right? I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of outlets and there are outlets to do feature writing with some support and some nudging from family and friends. I, you start to realize that there is a niche though. And that niche is long form. It is sitting down with players over a meal inside their homes and telling their stories writing those profiles and then in turn doing the peek behind the curtain story on a team. And we'll get into some of those because there, there isn't a lot of that out there. I mean, the athletic has, has have some very good writers, but mostly beat writers Sports illustrated have incredible writers. You know, they, they do a great job. ESPN, the, the magazine ESPN.com that's their vision kind of changes a lot. They've got good people, but I, I still feel like there, there, was, there was a need for deeper dives and learning the why and the how, and that's the zag. Like, okay, it's I launched it during COVID, right, where their locker rooms are shut down. There's not a lot of face-to-face -face interaction with players. I felt confident in the relationships I had kind of built over time that this could be different, all right? You know, things are getting shut down. Access is harder than ever. I'm just going to go – rip through the Rolodex, reach out to people and see where it leads. And two years in, I'm, I'm just thrilled where we're going along is for sure.
Yeah, that's your sign right there that 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 appetite is there. You know, this is a question that's going to come up later in the talk, so I don't want to go too deep into it right now. But, but yeah, I mean, I I think it shows. It shows. I mean, that pendulum is perhaps swinging back. I don't think we're ever going to fully eliminate you know this hot take culture necessarily. But there are people out there that are kind of realizing some of this. Like, well, you know, maybe I should be sinking myself into a little bit more. Maybe I should find out the why behind, you know, some of these stories or some of these comments or quotes from people within the industry. So, or within the league. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. You know, Substack, their line is, you know, their, their motto, their motto is like helping people take their brains back. And that's what really sold me on their platform. It's like, okay, people are, they're paying, they're subscribing for you because they want to sit down and learn and read something that they value in their life. And it's like, okay, I, I love that because social media companies, it's like they're taking all of our information. They're, they're spamming us with, us with ads. It feels like they're inside of our brains and we follow people and our, our feeds just become, it can become vile and just nonsensical. It's a way to have this personal relationship with somebody. I mean, as great as social media is to get the word out on GoLong, I mean, most of my readership is email-based or right on the website, golongtd.com. That, that that's the audience. It's it's not trying to sound hip and cool on Twitter, like you know, making jokes on there and and you know, everybody just kind of patting each other on the back and oh, not not like it's it's very direct to the consumer, to the person who wants to take their brain back. So I, I that really appealed to me. Mm, mm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. I think there is a shift there, and uh, it's great to hear that. It's being realized and you're seeing it within your own business. So yeah, that's awesome. I hope so. I hope it's a shift, man. If some of these social media companies just like cease to exist, I think it'd be better for society. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I hear this is a whole different podcast. You know, yes, yes. Just on that alone. I know, I know. Well, returning kind of to, to this and what we're talking about right now in terms of what it is you do. Maybe I could hear just a really quick sort of overview of the backstory of how you got into sports journalism. Man, it's it started about as far back as I, I can remember, Chris. Like, I, I've always wanted to do this at a very young age. I was just always reading the local papers, right? I mean, I grew up in Western New York, so I'm reading the Orleans Times Herald and Chuck Pollock and seeing his take on the Buffalo Bills and the St. Bonaventure Bonnies and oh, yeah. growing up kind of in the sticks down here. And then the Buffalo News, obviously. I, I grew up an hour south of Buffalo, yeah. so it was... Bucky Gleason, Jerry Sullivan, Mark on and all their all those guys, yeah. Oh well, yeah, you you remember well. Um, yeah, yeah. I read so I think that it started too, yeah. there. And I was a Packer fan growing up in Western New York, so I got the Packer Report weekly publication, and okay. you know that was big. Every team had, had a weekly publication, and I think I would write my own Packer weeklies, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, for mom and dad, you know, and nice. in fourth and fifth grade, so. You know, I was just, I've always kind of want, wanted to do it. I can remember uh, career day and it might've been sixth or seventh grade. I went to the Olean Times Herald and Chuck told me then the sports editor, Chuck Pollock said, Hey, when you're 16, I'll hire you as an intern and work the desk and cover some high school sports. Lo and behold, you know, a few years later, I got the call, started intern at the Times Herald. No way. Next thing you know, he's let me write columns, which is crazy. You know, I let a high schooler write about the NBA and, and the Times Herald. Yeah, but, out of here. Um, he, he'd sit down with me. We'd go over the, the stories. I mean, I'm covering high school sports and it just kind of continued to you know, blow up from there. And I just, I had this passion for it. I had to be at these events, 
had to sit down with these people and 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 really get inside the world. Everybody has a story, and I gravitated toward the feature writing for sure, from place to place to place. Yeah, I went to St. John Fisher my freshman year in college. I wanted to continue the football career while pursuing journalism, and it was just a lot on the plate. I was just very extremely mediocre on the college football level. Good in high school, we had a good team. Played quarterback at Ellicottville, and uh, we won it. We won at the Bills Stadium too. Oh, get uh, out of here! But you know, D- yeah, yeah, we, we beat Maple Grove to win sectionals. It was fun. Nice. Um, now I sound like Uncle Rico uh, looking back <laughs> at the glory days. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in college I was a linebacker, and uh, I was I was okay. not very good. So <laughs> it was always kind of my dream to go to Syracuse, uh, Newhouse, to, to study journalism. So I transferred spent the last three years at Syracuse and uh, the student paper, the daily orange is, yeah. is really where I just learned day to day. I mean, we, we treated, it was a daily newspaper and we covered the beats like we, that was our full-time job in addition to class and everything. Uh, but that's where I met all my best friends and we, we, we competed, we pushed each other. It was just the absolute best environment to learn and grow as a sports writer, you know, some internships along the way, Buffalo news, uh, I interned at the Packer Report and the Shawano Leader in Wisconsin the summer that Brett Favre tried to come back, take his job from Aaron Rodgers. That was a baptism by fire in the NFL. Graduated and yeah, Fayetteville Observer, uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Buffalo News, Bleacher Report, and here we are. So it's kind of kind of started way back when, but I, I've never wanted to do anything else. Yeah, yeah. I think you found your calling. You're one of the lucky few that knew it from a young age, did it, just executed on it all the way through and it seemed to have, uh, you know, worked out for you quite well. So yeah, thanks for sharing. Had some this. amazing people though, man. Like I had amazing editors and mentors and my family was just so unbelievably supportive. I mean, I've yeah. got the best mom and dad that allowed me to live out of a hotel in, you know, Shawna, Wisconsin, because I wanted to cover mini camp and training camp the Packers. I mean, they, they, I, it wouldn't be possible without without their help for sure how old were you at that point when you were doing that that would have been between my freshman and sophomore and sophomore and junior years of college i both of those summers one 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 summer i lived in green bay one i lived in shawno like a, it's a little north of green bay oh my god it was um yeah the, it was the second summer was when brett Favre had retired and tried to come back it was nuts. I mean, it was the number one story in sports. Oh yeah, and forever too, and, right? It was nonstop oh. coverage on that. And being, I mean, there. we were at the airport looking at Favre's plane come down. They're Crazy. booing Rogers at practice. I mean, the fans wanted him out. Fans going up to Ted Thompson, the GM at the shareholders meeting, asking to sign a petition to bring Brett back. It was, it was nuts. And you know, at that point, I was just kind of. You know, the, I was there the year before, so maybe it started then, but, you know, really busting out of being a fan and really learning to root for the story, not the team. I mean, and it was so sudden for me. It wasn't a problem. Mm, like you said, baptism by fire. Well, this degree there, I would say. Oh, man, that must have been something, something to live through. All right. Well, it was fun. It was yeah, fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. It, it sounds like it. Lucky, lucky, lucky in that sense that you found it early on and just, yeah, I've been riding that wave ever since it would seem. So, alrighty. Well, I do want to shift into a new segment here, and we can just basically continue this back and forth. Uh, I've got a Q and A discovery segment. Some questions lined up, and the first one here is kind of expanding on your talk, your introduction of GoLongTD.com. We've talked about the long form content, but I also know that you do other things in addition to just the writing, which kind of 
I suppose the premise of it is similar in terms of discovering the why and deep diving into to guests and profiling and all of these things. But what are some of the other things that you're offering at GoLongTD.com? You know, that was definitely a question I wrestled with, Chris, early on, because I knew what I did at Bleacher Report was what I wanted the bedrock for GoLong to be. It's it's the story that will take weeks to produce, right? I mean, at Bleacher Report, I wrote two, three stories a month. I mean, I had all the time in the world, all the resources in the world. I mean, I'm traveling around the country, getting incredible access and the time to just sit down and transcribe and think and talk to 10, 12, 15 people for a story. It's so, I mean, I, I want that to be the foundation for go long because I feel like that, that needs to be the foundation. But if people are, are paying you for content, they want content regularly. Churning. So churning, that was the churning, challenge, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I'm kind of, in a way I'm fighting against that. You know, I'm, I am bitching about, you know, tweets and BS and you know, that, everything just being in bite-sized fast food form. I, I don't want that. I want it to be long form, but you want people to get their money's worth and get their time's worth. And so the way I, I, I and it's, I, I, I don't know what the answer is, honestly, I, I don't, but I think over time I'm figuring it out where you don't want to sacrifice the meat, you know, the ribeye steak story that people are going to look forward to and get. So I wanted to make sure I took time on, you know, a three-part series on the New York Giants ship, you know, hitting the iceberg and everything. Take time on you know, Dallas Cowboys series before the season. Well, you know, Sean McDermott in 13 seconds and what happened in Buffalo. So there's going to be stuff that will take a week or two or longer. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, we do podcasts, right? There's podcasts as part of it. Jim Monis, who used to be the director of personnel with the Bills. I talked to him for the story I launched to go along with on Josh Allen and and how much the owner of the team, Terry Bagula, loved Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. And the more we talked, we're like, hey, we should just do a podcast. This is fun. So that that's good. I mean, that's something that augments it. Uh, but I do Q&As uh, with former players. I'll do I'll do columns once in a while. During the season, I'll, I'll do one um, each week, you know, out of the games. Though There's discussion boards, to, you know, throw up a question, get people going back and forth on that a little bit. And I, I think it's just a matter of, okay, what's what are people talking about? right at the bar, at the water cooler. Maybe it's worth a column. Maybe it's worth a feature. Maybe it's a profile, but I'm trying to figure out ways to fill in the gaps around that meat because I don't want to sacrifice what people are really paying for. Yeah. And seemingly like from, from the outsider's perspective and looking at it all, the thing that kind of ties it all in or binds it all together is that premise of discovering the why, right? You are still in essence, deep diving into all of these things, whether it's in a verbal format, podcast, perhaps. It's not like a five-minute podcast, 10 minutes. Like you're actually getting into it. You're exploring topics, much like the writing side. You're deep diving. And I think it's just fulfilling that appetite to devour content in a few different ways. And it's interesting. I think it's like a yeah. perhaps like a, a new business model in a sense, you know, where you are still kind of keeping true to your values. At least this is how it's I perceive it. You're keeping true to those values and what you think is important, what's important to the industry and reflecting that in your work. So yeah, it's, it's really been interesting well, to, that, to follow along. Totally. I mean, I, I forgot to mention our show with um, Isaiah McKenzie. So that's like a way to, it's almost like we're following one player's ups and downs through the course of a season with his own show. So we, we got together. Sometimes it was on zoom. Sometimes it was at a, a bowling alley slash bar in East Aurora. Yeah, so people could come live and, and watch it and listen, but 
you know, that, that's another long form kind of way, you know, people can kind of gain this attachment to somebody who's, who went through some stuff, like he got benched and then he came back and he was the star in new England. And then they go to Kansas city and they suffer this epic defeat to the chiefs. You know, people were able to kind of learn about this all through the eyes of just a a player who's entertaining as hell. So you get the ups, you get the downs, you see it all, you're kind of coming together and and you're, you're getting the context of it all, you know, the context, which again, I think is, is what makes it so know appealing to some i would say to a lot of people now and uh, who are just discovering it for the first time so yeah mm. appreciate that no you're right all right i got another question here for you yeah with a career spent in the belly of this like multi-billion dollar mammoth we call the nfl you know what changes have you witnessed since you started covering it in 2007 I mean, it's just been growing and growing and growing there's been so many you know i think it at first thought, I think that, you know, access has, has definitely gotten tougher. You know, it's, this isn't the, uh, you know, even the nineties where, you know, I think reporters, there's, there's meeting up with the coach and the GM at the bar, right. And getting the inside scoop back then. It's, it's not that it's, it's it, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, there's more, more corporate, red tape, right? corporate, more corporate, right. Every, everything's very just corporate the walls are up. and the messaging. Yeah. Walls are up. Um, messaging is is pull tested. If a coach says something, a player says that something, definitely at the podium, it's yeah. probably been discussed, analyzed, hyper analyzed. This is the message we want to push in this setting, and the fan, the consumer, the person who is using their hard earned money to make the NFL exist loses out. I mean, you get a sanitized version of the product. That's been the biggest change. I think it gets more sanitized year after year after year after year. After year. You know, with, with so many outlets and so many social media apps, you know, anybody can learn anything any given moment. But I feel like you're not really getting the the it's truth. On surface level. You're not getting beneath. It really is deep into it. Mm. And there are people who do who dig in, but there's this the, what's being put out there. Yeah, yeah, it's tougher. What about in terms of like player access? You know, how has that changed? I'm sure. I'm sure the clubs are also trying as much as they can to like control all of that. How many waiver forms do you need to sign? How many? Uh, that, that, that definitely that goes hand in hand with everything we're talking about. You know, in terms of being on the beat full time, I was in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel covering the Packers from 2011 to 2015, and then picked up the Bills 2015, and then was at Bleacher Report after that. And year to year to year to year, definitely you can you can see how it's changed. So open locker room, they're mandated to have, you know, set time, set 45 minute times for open locker room. You know, early on, it was very loose. You know, you, you can go up to anybody, have conversations. There's not people breathing down your neck. And it was, it was great. It kind of depends on the coach too. And who's really running the show for a team where, cause even, you know, fast forward to 2015, Rex Ryan didn't give a shit. He's going to say whatever he wants. Those players are going to say whatever they want. And as a reporter, oh, it was liberating. So fans got the real story of the team. It was, there was good, there was bad. There's a hell of a lot of ugly, but it was the truth. You know, you had players demanding the ball and it was something new every day. I mean, Shady McCoy just ripping Chip Kelly. I think that's a big part of it too, is like who's really running the show behind the scenes for a team. Um, if it's Belichickian and it's somebody who really thinks that the media is a factor in winning and losing, which I think is ridiculous. 
then they're going to try to, that that open locker room is those walls are going to be up, right? It's going to be select guys kind of passing through and they're going to push the podium and yeah, through COVID. I mean, if there was any, you know, tiny little fragment of a scare, you know, things are shut down. Right. And it's, it's zoom interviews, but now that things are hopefully getting back to normal locker rooms are opened up and we'll see. Right. I mean, I think it's really encouraging uh, that the NFL has at least gone back in theory on paper to where it was before, like locker rooms are going to be open. You can do one-on-one interviews in person. I have some stuff scheduled for this off season. That's all great. So ho- hopefully it, it gets back to normal, but um, I think this is my roundabout way of saying what I really tried to do. Chris is just, we're human beings talking to human beings at the end of the day. I'm just going to try to reach out to a guy on my own if I can for a story, if it's a profile and like, let's just, you know, we, we don't need to work through all these hoops. Right. Right. In that scenario, would the player need to check back with the club to say, have a, a talk with you? I guess if he wants, you know, I, I think a lot of times there's teams that get it, you know, like I'll just contact a guy on my own and, We'll get together, you know, maybe it's through his agency. You know, a lot of these guys are repped by marketing agents and, and their contract agents. So that's a way to get, get to players. And if they feel the need to let their team know, that's fine. You know, it's his prerogative. If, if he just wants to meet up with me and talk, then great. Let's just be humans talking to humans and see where it goes. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. and I don't want to sit here and just trash all PR because there, there are a lot of really good PR departments. They get that. Yeah. I mean, they want, they're, they're having the same conversation we're having where, they're pissed off at things at headlines kind of controlling the narrative exactly. and context. They don't like lost. that. Players don't like it. Right. Every, everybody should kind of be on that same page. And yet there's, there's still some teams that, you know, if you write something that isn't necessarily overwhelmingly positive, you're going to get excuses on why you can't get a credential for them for the foreseeable future. There'll be some of that too. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's interesting. Without naming I mean- names. Which you could. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, th- this is One the goal. This is the goal, though. I mean, it's kind of like pulling back that curtain right now and, and, and getting that sort of like inside look at all of this. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's totally compelling. So, yeah, I'm digging this entire conversation so far. And yeah, I've got some more questions here. I've got another one here in terms of, you've brought it a couple of times, you know, covering the Bills, Buffalo Bills, covering Green Bay Packers, two iconic franchises. You know, and that's saying something because most, most, I would say most NFL fans, they get behind their, their teams, right? But these two in particular, you know, take it up to a different level. And Bill's Mafia, I mean, yeah, they take it up a notch two, three or 30 times over, you know, the <laughs> limit basically. So but right. as a writer and as covering them, you know, it must be perfect though, right? Because you have like this, this following that's year round, even in the off season where these fans are just dying for content. They're just looking for something related to their team. I mean, what's that like? It's incredible. The passion is, it's something I'm familiar with. You know, like I said, growing up here geographically, you live it, you see the bills go through that playoff drought of 17 years and dying just to be in contention. And it's palpable. And being a Packer fan, I mean, me and my dad, we go to Lambeau Field, you know, every other year. It was like the big father-son trip. That's where I think I think that's where I had my first beer was a tailgate. Oh, no way. Green Bay. Perfect. Oh, yeah. It might have been, it might have been 03, 04, who knows. But it was, you can feel it. It's different. Um, being a Packer fan as a kid, like, you understand it. Yeah. 
and I'll say this, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I, I get it. I totally get it. And maybe I'm fast forwarding to something you're going to bring up later, but, you know, having covered the Packers, so they're familiar with my work and the kind of stories I'm going to do, you know, spending some time with Brett Favre, Bart Starr, Forrest Gregg, doing the long form kind of stuff. And then when I get to Bleach Report and I do a big story on what happened yeah. with Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. Yeah, actually, yeah maybe point. maybe fill listeners in on this one because this is I definitely was about to bring this one up. I, it was what April fourth, twenty nineteen. Big big day in your career here. Maybe bring people up to speed on what 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 this was all about for those who don't know. Yeah, so I think I think um, at that point I wasn't on the beat. I was I'm like I said I'm at Bleacher Report covering the NFL, and it just blew my mind that this operation that was really a machine, you know, when I was covering the team just kind of went kaput. Like, right. The coach gets fired. They lose to Arizona. Aaron Rodgers doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers. It just, everything was just ugly that season. And so it was often, I knew, I knew so many people in the organization and around the organization that I kind of just started texting and calling right after that game. And just basically like, what happened? What the, what the hell's going on? Right. Right. And piece by piece, you know, just curiosity is kind of how it started. And I think one conversation kind of led to the next, to the next, to the next. And a lot of people, understandably so, would talk on the record with their name. A lot would not, they, they, but they wanted the truth to be told. They wanted to kind of explain how it got to this point. And so you grant that and it, those anonymous sources, you give, you give them that right because I feel like the truth does need to be out there. And look, yeah. that's a whole other conversation worth an hour. But I think the fans and the readers, I mean, they know that I'm connected and know these people. Yeah. And they want it, they want an autopsy. They want to learn what happened. So it was a, it was that combination. Like I don't even know what the final count was. I mean, it was dozens upon dozens of people into the 50s or 60s that I talked to. Wow. And at the end of the day, yeah, it came down to a coach and a quarterback and egos clashing, and it was bad from the get-go. Uh, a GM who drafted really well, but got old really, really fast at the end. Shouldn't have been the GM at the end. And it was a recipe for disaster. So mm-hmm. to, back to that fan passion. So I kind of knew, it, obviously, it story didn't make anybody look good, right? I mean, we're not doing a feature story on how the Packers have won so many games. It's like, no, you have maybe one of the best quarterbacks ever, if not the most talented passer of the football ever. And you won one Super Bowl and the coach just got fired. Like, what the hell happened? That, that's the that's the thinking here, right? And Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy both had their opportunities to talk for the story, but I didn't want to lean one way or the other. Yeah, you want to be fair about bi- it. Bias-wise. Yeah. yeah, so I'm talking to as many people as possible across all spectrums, and that's what came to be. It's something that isn't necessarily that pretty, and I knew that there would be a reaction and I was definitely more than uh, I expected, but you yeah, know what that, didn't that, surprise me that, was the quarterback himself. Oh yeah. 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 Go for it. You, you explain that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to remember who, which source noted this somebody in the front office from what I can remember. Yeah. It was a, somebody in the front office told me that, you know, he'll probably have a reaction to whatever you write because he is ultra, ultra, ultra sensitive beyond comprehension in terms of like, you're one of the most talented players ever. Like, what do you care what people say about you, write about you? And this person saw him day to day and 
he uses it. And I think that's part of his greatness too. It's like, he genuinely cares how people think about him. And so he's keeping that list in his head and he's using it, right? People talk about chips on the shoulder, but he lives it. I mean, he, that grudge is a reason he'll be in the hall of fame. And that's also a reason he's caught out basically everybody who was really close to him most of his life, family, friends out. So it's, he's a complicated fella as the president of the team himself said. So I knew, I knew he he would do something, but when he, I think when the story first came out, Chris, fans generally wanted to learn and know what happened. And it was, yeah, it was like, Oh my God, they needed to know this stuff in their heads. And then a few days pass and the quarterback sits down with, you know, one of his friends in the media that he did a show with before as expected, you know, and kind of went scorched earth, <laughs> which sure did, to put it lightly, I mean, basically was how he was described in the story, honestly. And uh, arguably the best receiver and tight end that he had at the peak of his powers. He just trashed them and called them irrelevant. So it was uh, not surprising. Like I said, that's part of why he's so good. Like he, he has a, a, a chip that's sharper than anybody in the game. But after that, that's when there was a little bit of a turn and I started getting some nasty stuff from these same passion fans. But honestly, I just ignored Twitter for a week. I just got out, which is was so refreshing and we should all do it more. I should. I hear you. Did, did he, did he himself lob any comments or insults perhaps over to you directly? Yeah. He called it a smear attack. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. I knew, it. I knew there was something there. Yeah. 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 yeah a smear yeah. attack and you know went after and then you had his apologists that were yeah 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 it, it, it was a wild time and i remember just thinking like what must this be like you know it's one thing to be a professional it's another to be a human within the context of basically you just doing your job at a really high level <laughs> that's really what a kind of the irony of all of this is that you went in deep dive you know 50 60 people as you said really got into it. And I think part of it too, what made this blow up, at least from an outside perspective, was that at that time, he still had that that glow or that golden image. Like people didn't know this side of him necessarily at that point. I mean, now there's kind of, you know, a bit of shade that way in terms of like, when you think of him or you, you, you know, these backstories on him. But at that time, he was just the NFL superstar, the golden boy, essentially. He still had that shine or that luster in a sense. Whereas that story really kind of exposed a different side to him. And uh, yeah, you can kind of see now based on what you're just sharing here and what came out of that story, why he reacted the way that he did. But yeah, it was a while. Just fine too. Like that's a, he's got every right to, I mean, I think it was great. You know, there was honesty there and he's been honest and it is funny. Like there's so many sports writers you see it. It's like somebody sends them a nasty email or a tweet and they feel the need to screenshot it and send it out to their legions of followers. And, you know, what, what do you, are you looking for sympathy? Like right. grow right. up. I'm yes. sorry. If you're going to write something, put your you big boy writing. pants on or your big girl pants on. And there's going to be blowback. There's going to be a reaction. Yeah. You know, if you're not pissing somebody off along the way, you're probably not doing your job. So I, I didn't care. It was fine. Like, I remember the one time I checked Twitter, it was like, somebody told me to go find a rope in my basement and hang myself. I didn't like, I didn't freak out and consider it like a threat to my, like, whatever it's Twitter. I just deleted the app and 
spent time with my family and my wife and my, my brother. I think I remember we watched like the national championship that night and it was, it was, we lived our lives. So yeah. it's big picture, it's just, right? It's, it's just, just big crazy. picture stepping yeah. out of it. And it's easy to get caught up in it. I think a lot of people do, but having that perspective, that's the way forward. I, I, I guess what strikes me about this and what you're, how you're answering it. And like, that's how a professional would do it. Right. I'm like, well, you know, this is part of the profession this is what I do. I'm just going to step back on it all now and just, you know, let it simmer down and move. Right. On. I stand and right? I stood the next by story, every right? word then. And I stand by every word now too. Like if you put something out and you're, and you believe it, like you just stand by it. And like, I didn't feel the need to return fire or respond to his response. Like whatever, but the story just breathe. Like that's fine. <laughs> and yeah, it is interesting. I mean, that's a whole, like, I feel like there's just, maybe it's society at large. I feel like there's just so many emotionally soft people in sports media that just get caught up and overly concerned about what people think about them. Like who cares? Who cares? Just do the job for the right reasons. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, it's probably a nice segue into a new segment here, Tyler, and it might be tough to, uh, to, well, to beat what you just shared, but uh, it is a water cooler story. And I, what I am after here is I ask guests to indulge listeners with a story. And I know you just did, but uh, I'd love to know if you've got uh, something else for us as well. No doubt. I mean, you, you meet so many interesting people and I, that, that's why it doesn't feel like a job. Like it really doesn't. I love what I do because I'm just having conversations with people. Like it's a free education. At some point I just want somebody to pitch me the jig will be up, right? I'm sitting down with people hearing where they come from, what makes them tick, how they got to this point. Everybody's different. Everybody has a story to share. And nothing was will, will probably ever top. I hope something tops it, but it's right up there. Sammy Watkins in Orlando, Florida. A couple of years ago, we got together. Long story short, I knew Sammy from his time in Buffalo. And uh, I referenced somebody who was demanding the ball that season. It was him. That was our first conversation. He went... And he ended up being right. They started getting on the ball. He played well that year. We talked again when he was a Ram for a story of Bleacher Report. But then he, he won the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. He burns Richard Sherman for that huge play up the right sideline to help win that game. And we got together about a month and a half or so right before COVID outbroke, you know, broke out. I want to say a week and a half before. We just got this visit in. It was down in Orlando, which he, in the conversation, kind of predicted like darkness overcoming the world. So Sammy knew that was coming, which is crazy. He went places that I've never heard a person go, let alone an NFL player. We talked about dark entities and good entities being everywhere and passing through your physical body. And that's why you make good and bad decisions. And he got into astral realms and, you know, living dreaming about something and then bringing it to reality the next day he brought up specific games etheric bodies dim- other dimensions it was it was psychedelic and i think maybe a lot of people read that story and thought whoa like what's sammy Watkins on but he believes this stuff i mean he went he, he studied it he researches it it really helped him get out of a dark place you know when he was in buffalo and he was injured all the time he was drinking a lot his brother got you know tied up in a big RICO investigation, so he loses his best friend. It was a it was a bad bad time. So he kind of really took his mind to these other places, and I'll let people read the story if you Google Sammy Watkins and what does Sammy Watkins believe. He'll make the the reason that it was so fascinating though he can make he can make you a believer, and he made me a believer in a lot of this stuff. 
by the end of this, whatever it was, four or five hour conversation, we shut the restaurant down. We were going to talk longer, but he talked about at one point, like kind of being outside of your body and like controlling your body from the outside. And he has trained himself to do that kind of whatever he wants. The way he described it, like I'm thinking of a high school basketball game where I got my head split open. It was bleeding all over the court. I got stitched up. I came back. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I can't explain it to this day, but it didn't feel like I was playing in this game. It was, it was adrenaline, but it was something bigger than adrenaline. And so he kind of brought that memory back for me and got me thinking. Triggered, yeah. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm crazy too, but who knows? But he, <laughs> he may, I think that there is substance to what Sammy Watkins believes. Yeah. And hey, if it puts him in a good place, that's all that matters. I mean, right. he is about right. as happy of a person as you'll meet in the NFL. And that was not the case the first few years of his career. He was depressed. He was down and out. And right now he is optimistic, loves life, great family man. And now he's with the Green Bay Packers playing with Aaron Rodgers. So what an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. You brought this up where I, I think there's a bunch. I mean, your, your career does sort of represent a, a pinch me moment or like a several, like a, the whole career is a pinch me moment in essence. Like you're, you're, like you said, chatting with people like this, who just have different takes. They come from different walks of life. And you know, how would you prepare for that one? You know, I'm sure you had no idea where that conversation was going to go walking into it, you know, bring these things up, but that's, that's, yeah, you know, if you're driven by curiosity, which you get into that profession for in the first place and passion, it's a match made in heaven, right? You're, you're learning all these new things, getting different takes on things, different viewpoints. Yeah. And that one certainly would stand out. I read that article too. And he, uh, he came from a, several different angles to, uh, to explain some of his views on, on life and living. That's where it starts. Curiosity, right? I think it's important to go in to one of these conversations with, with an idea, like, okay, you know, you obviously I'll have questions and topics yeah. to hit on, but I'm sure you're, you're well prepped like, for that, that conversation with Sammy. I'm sure you had all your, uh, your notes of, you know, outside of body experiences. You had all those questions lined up for that one. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was going to be a free agent and he made a big play in the Super Bowl, And that was about it. Right. I mean, yeah. and he, he told me that he, there was stuff he wanted to get into about the Buffalo days. We just started going down these, down these different paths and he was okay putting it all out there because he's genuinely at peace. Yeah. So I think that's why it's important. Like if something seems interesting, like just let it breathe and reroute that yeah. direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm not you. just all of a sudden going to be like, Oh, well, you know, what's the market price for your value in free agency after you just told me that there might be a demon sitting at the table next to us, you know, like, let's talk about these demons. Let's see where that goes. Right. 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 Well, that curiosity it drives it all forward. I mean, yeah, I hear you loud and clear. I mean, that's why we're here today right now, <laughs> to be honest, it's the premise of this show really, you know, at the end of the day. So I think we're, we're on the same page when it comes to that. And uh, it seems to me that uh, you're definitely living that dream out and having every opportunity to do so and speak with some pretty interesting players, people you know, within that world. And it, it's great how you've been able to marry that passion of just pro sports into all of that. I think that's what makes it so interesting as well. And probably so rewarding. In, in the, yeah. So good on you. Sports are never about sports, right? It can, it can be about all this other stuff. That's totally. Totally. And we'll get into the X's and O's and we'll, we can break the game down, but you know, pro football focus, there, there's other places for people to, to kind of really get the analytical stuff. So, yeah. you know, let's, let's talk about human beings. I hear you. 
Alrighty. Well, I mean, we're just flying through this, Tyler, and we are heading into the last segment here, a crystal ball segment. Normally here, we're looking towards future trends, predictions, so on and so forth. And I understand that, uh, you know, returning to this idea of long form content, outside of what you're doing at golongtd.com, that's certainly an indication of you doubling down on the strategy. But even beyond that, you've got a book coming out this fall, right? You got that right, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear about that. It was... Uh... Yeah, I mean, we're still finishing it up. It's, it's going through like the, that copy editing process and we'll be out in October. But yeah, the book is written. The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football is going to be out in October. And it was such a labor of love, man. It was so fun to travel the country and talk to the greatest tight ends ever from Mike Dicka to George Kittle today. I just really think that that position, it's everything that we love about the sport. I mean, you've got to bash into defensive linemen. You've got to beat a corner, a safety up the seam for a big play down the field. You're underpaid. You do all this stuff. You're paid more than kickers and fullbacks. That's it. it it's, such a, it's such a combination of so many different things that we love about football. But the more I talk to these guys, the, the tight end position tells us everything about life. It's nuts what these guys went through uh, from Dallas Clark to Jimmy Graham to Mike Dick. There, there's things that Mike Dick went through. I don't think people really know. Jackie Smith has maybe the most infamous drop in sports history that affected him in some pretty deep, profound ways. And, and we hung out in St. Louis to talk about that. So yeah, each chapter is basically a long form feature on one of the best tight ends ever yet. They all kind of intertwine and, and take us to some pretty interesting places. So it was a lot of fun. I've, I've never written a book before. It was something I always wanted to do. We got the opportunity to do it and it was a pretty crazy seven, eight months, but we got, got her done. And I, I think people are really going to love it. Like it was, it was so much fun to learn about these guys and what makes them tick and how this position really does define and save the purity of football. Like as much as rules change and things can get sanitized and things can get corporate, the tight end is, is, is going to keep the, the essence of it alive. Well, you know, you just spoke to that point of what makes these guys tick and profiling, you know, all these greats. Was there one sort of commonality without giving too much away, obviously, even in your book, but was there one sort of like linking trait that you found like across the line with all these guys? I think it to different degrees. I mean, most of them all were, we're in a pretty bad rock bottom state. You know, Mike Dickup, he was with the Bears, obviously, kind of feuded with George Hallis gets traded the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, he almost drank himself to death and was depressed. And he'd go out drinking some night, come back and not even know how he got back. He'd be like in this haze the next day. So he's going through that. Jimmy Graham, what he went through, living in group homes as an 11-year-old, getting beat up by 14 and 15-year-olds who are there for different reasons for why he's there. You know, he was in a bad place. I mean, he's he's feeling the bones in his face break. Uh, Dallas Clark at Iowa, walks on right after his mom dies, his tragic death, she dies in his arms. And the way he walked on at Iowa is surreal. They all kind of had these different moments of being on the canvas, you know, knocked down, no reason to press on, yet they got out of it. And I think that that's definitely unique to the tight end in terms of like, they were uniquely qualified, I should say, to define the position and kind of drive into the future. Hmm. Oh man, I'm so stoked to uh, to get a 
a hold of that book this fall. I'm really looking forward awesome. to it. No, it was a nice teaser for it. I think people like it. Yeah. I've got one last question here and this is it. And I'm sorry, I can't resist, but as an unabashed, wildly enthusiastic Bills fan, let me show you the shirt I'm wearing under this vest. Bills logo, baby. There, <laughs> there it is. It is. <laughs> you think you can get away from it for a little while. I'm based in Japan. You think you can get away from Bills. It's amazing. But, but we're everywhere. We are everywhere. And uh, yeah, you know, I had I had to slide that in here to this conversation. <laughs> at the at the, uh, the the Japan backers bar, right? There's that's right. That's right. Yeah, there. which yeah. is right here. Yeah, right there. There, there it <laughs> it's is. Only one. Yeah, but um, but in terms of that, getting back to the Bills, I mean, where they're at right now, that championship window is still very much wide open. Really quickly, if you can, you know, what are you thinking this uh, upcoming season? I think we're looking pretty good, but what do you think? I mean, you've got Josh Allen, so you're going to be in every game, every fourth quarter. He can put the Superman cape on and do crazy things. So I think as long as he's the quarterback, he's going to make everybody else better. I mean, he's going to keep people employed. He's going to give people extensions. He's going to give people promotions. He's already done it all. He's worth every penny of that contract no that doubt. he got. So they'll be fun. But I'll tell you, the schedule is tough. It is. Really, it opens tough. You wonder, you know, that window – yeah, they, they were able to keep Stefan Diggs, so that was big. They were able to sign Von Miller, that's big. But you do have to draft well because you can't keep everybody. And the whole AFC is pretty loaded. I mean, there's just I great know. quarterbacks I know. in every division. I think if you're the Bills, kind of hope the AFC West just kind of cannibalizes itself. Yeah. And you hope that, well, yeah, Miami did all that stuff, but – Tua Tonga Viola doesn't take that step and Mac Jones isn't the same without Josh McDaniels and the Jets of the Jets. I think they win the division, but I think it's going to be tough. I really do. And you wonder how long is that, is that window going to be open? I mean, Sean McDermott, another playoff loss. If he is a reason for another playoff loss and you're the bills, that would be concerning because you do have a transcendent player. You do have a GM who's really, really good. You need the coach making the right decisions on the field in big time moments. And he has not done that in the playoffs as good of a coach as he is. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's no shortage of uh, storylines to be following this upcoming season. Not only that too, I think like just to add on to all of this, I think it's just like it's injuries. You know, you're one of these teams like the bills it's that tight yeah. within the division even, but even just within the AFC as a whole, you, know, you lose one of your star players that uh, could, you know, cost a couple games and that's, that's all it'll take in terms of seeding and your path to, uh, you know, ultimate glory or uh, another meltdown. So yeah, we'll have to see. But Health is huge. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's such a good point. They've been healthy. They've been mostly yeah. healthy. You know, yeah. so that's, they've done that's well, big. they've invested in it and it seems to be paying dividends, but you know, just life happens and unlucky moments. So, you know, knock on wood here. I've got lots of that around me. There we go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, Tyler, it has been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every second of this. And to be quite honest, like I have like 25 more questions that I could fire off here, but we'd be here all day. So I am conscious of your time. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show today. You're way too friendly, way too nice, Chris. Everybody out there should know that. I have been too busy with the book and delaying this. And it's so good to finally do it. We want to do it again. Hell yeah. Just say the word. We'll do it again. We'll get to those 25 questions <laughs> because you've been unbelievable, man. This has been a lot of fun on this end and you're a great dude. I love, I love the show. Going to be listening to it as much as possible. So awesome. Uh, anytime. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Maybe we'll uh, connect up again later in the season, perhaps. 
Well, for those interested in learning more about Tyler and his work, you can check it out at golongtd.com. Also, of course, you can follow along on Twitter. He's also on LinkedIn, so you can uh, check him out there. And for reference, I will have links to all of this stuff in the show notes. If you like today's show, also, please be sure to share. I mean, you know, we learn a little bit more about one another, the stresses, the pressures, the joys, all that stuff, right? I mean, all that stuff matters. And I think the more we can understand one another, it lessens that divide, you know, and we, we can get away from this tribalism to a degree. So that stuff is good. Please share. And also to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast and head on over to YouTube. Finally got around to launching a channel over there where you'll have full video conversations access. Not only that, off the top, I will have a slideshow with imagery associated with the actual talk. So yeah, head on over there. We'll have stuff up there relating to uh, the talk today with Tyler. And finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details, professions, and the people behind them. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.